0: If you want to turn your Bibles to the Book of Acts, or I'll have the verses up here, obviously wherever you are. But it's the 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 theme for the Book of Acts is victory, no matter what, through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, the power of the Holy Spirit. I knew I could count on Marty and Zeke. Thank you, guys. So, power of the Holy Spirit. Now, last week, we saw Paul sail for Rome, and he was sailing to Rome to share the gospel. That was his Super Bowl. We talked about that. That was his Super Bowl. Sorry, Eagles fans. Uh, it was a great game, but, you know, we lost. But I'm going to just have one thing to say about that. We was wobbed. We was wobbed. All right, so, uh, anybody remember that from way back? Because I, I really do think we were. But anyway, it looked like Paul lost his game, too. It looked like he was going to lose his Super Bowl, too. He's in chains. He's ultimately beheaded in Rome, ultimately uh, beheaded. It looked like he lost his Super Bowl, but it turned out he really had won the Super Bowl after all. Imagine waking up on Monday morning after the Super Bowl, and we found out that the the referee was bribed, and, and he made that call uh, because he was bribed and so they're going to overturn the results and the eagles actually get the victory wouldn't that be great to wake up and, you know, probably a lot of you are fantasizing about that right but that's exactly what happened to paul with his super bowl the, he looked like he lost in chains beheaded looked like he lost but the gospel that he preached swept the roman empire defeated the roman eagle the roman eagle lost this one also also lost this one to the gospel but first paul has to get there he has to get to his super bowl in rome and win the playoff rounds and we saw round number one last week where he sails for rome remember the five s's the first one he sails for rome today we're going to see the storm that's the second s then uh in the future we'll see shipwreck stranded and safe in rome so the storm is today it's round two in the playoffs and and I call this, uh, this isn't the title, but I think of the storm, a compassionate, I told you so. I told you so. And, and the title for this is Navigating the Storms of Life. Acts 27, 13 to 26, Navigating the Storms of Life. Have you ever been in a storm? What's the worst storm you have ever been in? Can you picture that right now? For me, it was the blizzard of '77. The blizzard of '77. Now, I grew up in near Niagara Falls, Buffalo, right on Lake Ontario, and there's lots of snow on the farm all the time. In fact, the last uh, time I actually lived at the farm, I just gotten out of uh, college, getting ready to go for uh, my master divinity, and I was there, and in December, and I remember we had 60 inches in December. That was even a record for Buffalo. None of it never melts. 60 inches, 5 feet of snow in just December. That was, and then I left after that. <laughs> Good thing I did. But we, because we lived it, we get lake effect. Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, we get the lake effect for both of them. But the blizzard of 77 was a doozy. It's one I'll never forget. In fact, my dad emailed me a couple weeks ago and said, do you remember what happened on this date 45 years ago? I wrote back right away, the blizzard of 77, right? So uh, we never forgot it. I remember getting off the bus. I was a sophomore in high school, and I remember getting off the bus. They were sending us home early because of the possible storm, and I remember getting off the bus and and as I got off the bus and started walking toward the house, which was about 50 feet away, it hit like a wall of white. Just hit. But I, I was a good thing I knew which direction the house was. By the time I got to the house and looked back, the bus was gone. I couldn't see it. It was just a wall of white. It was that crazy how it hit. I just got in the house on time. Lots of kids got stranded. The ones who didn't get home on t- get off. Get off the buses or get on on the buses on time. They got stranded at school. Many of them for a week stayed at the school. I was so jealous. They were my friends. Told me what happened. They slept on these army cots and they ate pizza every day because they had all these pizza things in the, in the in lunch frozen. And they got to swim in the pool and play basketball. I was jealous. I was jealous, because wait till you see what I had to do. Uh, But a lot of them, they finally got them all home after about a week on snowmobiles. And my my sister got home when the storm hit. Someone brought her home that night, I believe, or else the next morning. I can't remember. Got got her home on a snowmobile. And so they had to get them home. But it was unbelievable, the storm. I remember just going outside, trying to get outside. When we finally dug our way out, we could walk up. Up on top of the house and right down again, right over the house. It was a, the drifts were right over the house. I remember going out to the barn, walking right up the barn and walking down the barn. It was crazy. The drifts had just gone right up and over the houses. It was just unbelievable. <clears throat> um, it, it was, but it was fun sledding. It was a lot of fun sledding up and down. It was crazy. But it wasn't fun working. It wasn't fun working because we had to dig the cows out. We had all these cows out in, in our barn and out in the other barn. <clears throat> and there was just drifts and drifts. We couldn't get to them. We had to go out and dig, and my dad had a tractor, finally got the tractor out, kept scooping it. It was crazy, crazy uh digging them out, and not only that, we, we could only get... The food into them by carrying it in. We had to bring wheelbarrows and wheel it. It was unbelievable, and we could only get the the, the manure out by wheeling it out because we couldn't get the manure spreader go up to there. We couldn't get the, the manure spreader even working. There was so much snow, it was crazy. It was brutal, but there was some fun. There was some fun. Dug lots of tunnels, and the great thing is we dug these tunnels. I would dig these big tunnels in and big caverns, and it was crazy. And they stayed for months. We had these tunnels for months. I remember going in and crawling in and 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 all the dogs we had like five or six dogs at the time and always had five or six dogs and they were all sleeping in there they were so happy to see me they're all excited it's like snow dog movie you know the dogs love the snow caverns it was crazy it was really crazy it was crazy but they finally cleared the roads enough to get us back to school and and it uh and then the second storm hit Another one hit. Just when we could finally get back to school, another one hit, and it was really bad again. It was crazy, and we ended up getting a month off from school in total, a month. Now, understand, to get a month off from school where I grew up is crazy because they didn't even cancel school unless you got 12 inches of snow. You had to get 12 inches or they don't cancel. 10 inches? Nope. You still had to go to school. We'd be so mad. Only 11 inches had to be 12. And, and, but so to get a month off, it had to be brutal and it was crazy. I remember, I remember the roads were one lane caverns. We'd just go down the road and there was caverns up, up, up there and you could just barely squeeze one car down the road when they finally cleared it enough. It was just unbelievable. And, and they would warn the kids always every day on the news, don't go sledding up by the telephone wires, the power lines, don't go near the power lines when you're sledding, stay away from the power lines, because that's where you would climb, you'd be up by the power lines on the drifts, and sliding down, and and also, they warned people, uh, be careful when you're snowmobiling, try to look out for cars, because they were snowmobiling, and all these cars, when the snow finally melted, all these cars were, were ruined, because their roofs all got caved in by the snowmobiles, because you couldn't see the car, you go boom, 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 and they're driving over cars everywhere, it was crazy crazy. Uh, it didn't the snow didn't even melt till very, very late spring. I remember there was snow even on the, the ponds. The fish all died of uh, no oxygen. The fish on the ponds all died. It was just a crazy, crazy time. But all the while that this horrible storm hit and all this going, the whole time, guess what I'm doing? I am digging snow. Not just the fun snow, but we're digging snow, digging snow. I'm bringing, uh, trying to get the cows out so we can get them out of the barn. Because we had to, you know, it was a nightmare cleaning all that manure out, right? And I had to clean out, we kept carrying the manure out, trying to find a place to put it, and then bringing food in, the, trying to get water to them that wasn't frozen. The whole time, that's what I'm doing. And finally, we get back to school after that month, and I was on the swim team. I was on the swim team, and we get back to school, and we lost a whole month of swimming. Imagine that in the middle of your season, just gone, whole month gone. And we get back there, and we get in the pool again, and the coaches are like, oh, no, what's going to be like? And it was amazing. I passed everybody. Everybody on my team, I had passed them. And not only that, when we went to swim the other teams that we had already swum before, I had left all my rivals in the dust. Guys who were beating me were very close. I beat them. I was beating everybody. It was crazy. I passed them. Because guess why? The snowstorm had made me stronger. They were all sitting in the house watching TV. They didn't live on a farm, you know. They were, they were like, you know, having fun sledding or skiing or something. I was digging snow the whole time. I was in the shape of my life. And I ended up having this great season in swimming. It was crazy. I made it all league, you know, my second year swimming because I was in such good shape. And that's what the storm had done for me. And we're going to see Paul in a terrible storm today and the difference that his faith makes and, and, and how he was strong spiritually in this storm and also how God uses storms to grow our faith and grow us stronger. We're going to see that today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Just pray that your word would really cut to our hearts through your Holy Spirit and that by your mercy and grace we would take steps forward. Steps forward in our faith. And if anybody is listening, watching here today, has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, they would take that step today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last week, once again, we saw sailing to Rome. Remember, we saw sailing for Rome. And we saw how crazy Paul warned the experts, but the majority Ruled. Remember that he said, "Though no, we should, we shouldn't go sailing. We better stop here for the winter." And they didn't listen to him. The majority ruled. Remember, we saw that selling for Rome. Crazy Paul warns the experts, but the majority rules. And now we come to the storm. The storm in Acts twenty-seven, <clears throat> starting with verse thirteen. I'll use the screen here. <clears throat> when a gentle now they didn't listen to Paul. They decided they're going to sail ahead anyway. They're not listening to what the Holy Spirit had warned them. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force, (laughs) called the Northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted aboard, then they passed ropes under the ship, itself to hold it together because they were afraid it would they would run aground on the sandbars of citrus uh certus they lowered the sea anchor and let They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone A long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from the Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And said, "Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island." Wow! What a storm! Uh, you know what a storm! Uh, and we see Paul's compassionate. I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. Paul had warned them, but they had ignored God's warning. We saw that last week. They were focused on their profits. Remember? They're focused on their profits, not on God's profit. Not on God's profit. And and hey, I hear the same thing. Hey, as long as the stock market stock market's doing well, as long as the economy is going is going strong, we can ignore that. Crazy Pastor Chuck and all the crazy things he said. You know, his doom and gloom preaching. We can't ignore that. As long as everything else is going fine. As long as there's no, you know, virus sweeping through our country, right? But look what happened. They they had ignored, uh, they were focused on their prophets and ignored God's prophet, Paul. But look what happened in Acts 27. Read verse 13 again. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a north, called the northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. We see what happens. The gentle wind that the experts were looking for had morphed into a hurricane. And look what happened to their prophets. Listen, look what happened to their prophets in verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. <laughs> oh. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. They threw their prophets overboard. The things that they had ignored God because they wanted to to make, they ended up throwing it over with their own hands. But the prophet Paul, they lost the prophets, but the prophet Paul was still on board. And it's a good thing he was still on board because he saves their lives. As we saw, he had prayed for and saved their lives through his prayer and through his presence on earth. That ship. Remember salt and light were called to be salt and light. This is it. Salt. He was salt. He preserved their lives. Salt preserves. But first, before he does that, he preaches them a sermon. Uh, he preaches a compassionate, I told you so. Look at verse 20. When when neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. A compassionate, I told you so. Paul connects the dots. He says, The reason you've lost everything, we've lost everything, is because you didn't listen to God. He connects the dots. You had you you already threw the prophets overboard, and not your your prophets what you've wanted them to make, but the ship will also be lost. He tells them, and you're going to be stranded on an island. Remember, you are in such a hurry to get somewhere, well, you're going to be stranded somewhere now because you didn't listen to God. You're going to be stranded on an island. Verse twenty-six. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Just like Gilligan's Island, they're stuck, going to be stuck here for a while. Uh, you know, it, they're going to be stuck, but their lives will be saved. Why? Because of Paul's prayer, because of God's mercy and grace. That's why their lives were going to be spared. How could Paul have so much peace in this storm? How could he have so much peace? When everybody else is freaking out, everybody else had given up. They were in total despair. How could he have so much peace? Because he had an anchor. Paul had an anchor. The the captain and the sailors, the experts, right, that we saw last week, had an anchor. In verse 17, look at their anchor. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground uh oh uh, i'm sorry run aground on the sandbars of certus they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along that's what the the anchor that they had the experts had this anchor right but it was worthless it did nothing to save them. It, it, it did nothing. Just like so many experts today and their anchors that, that people depend on, it was worthless. Just like what we see in the United States. Think of the anchor of science today in the United States. Believe the science. I call it the science fiction. Or the political science, because they politicize it and twist it. You know, that's, that's what we're supposed to be, you know, anchored on. That's the world's anchor. The experts wanted us to, to look at. It. And look at all the garbage that's been pulling on us, right? It's just making things worse. It's just the, the, the science, the, the, the political science, the science fiction that the, these experts have today is just turning people into spiritual zombies. You want the ultimate proof? Real easy proof of that? The majority of scientists... Believe that we came from monkeys. (laughs) What? Could God make the wisdom of the world look any more foolish? These turned the world over to that. With that not all scientists, uh, the Christian scientists don't buy this. Most of them, and 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 many non-Christian scientists don't believe it. But the majority rules, and they think we came from monkeys. You want to talk about God exposing the lies and deception and the foolishness of this world? You get it. You get it there. But Paul had a legitimate anchor not the majority's rules anchor, not that false anchor. He had a legitimate anchor. In verse 25, it says this, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. What was Paul's anchor? His faith in God. That was his anchor, his faith in God. That was the anchor that Paul had. That's the anchor that anybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ has. Listen, uh, the song, On Christ the Solid Rock, I Stand. Let me just read it. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to read it for you. It, listen, just listen to this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ's the solid rock I stand, all other ground Is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That is the anchor that Paul had. That is the anchor that every one of us can have. Listen, the storms of life are going to come. They're going to come. But we can have peace if we have faith in Jesus Christ. We can still have peace if we have faith in Jesus Christ. I brought my book uh, Journey to the Mayflower today, excellent book, uh, it, it, but it talks about the 100 years leading up to the Mayflower, and, and it starts showing how the separatists were being persecuted in, in England by the Church of England, and how they were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ, and, and then how they had to try to finally, ultimately, as it got closer to the time for the Mayflower to sail, they, they had tried to escape from, from England, and they tried to go, first of all, to uh, Amsterdam. And let me just read, uh, just read a little bit here from the book here. Uh, foul, uh, seeing themselves thus molested, William Bradford is writing this part of it. Uh, he's talking about how they were trying to get out of England, escape England for, Amsterdam, for the Netherlands. He says, seeing themselves thus molested, said Bradford, and that there was no hope of their continuance there in England. By a joint consent, they resolved to go into the Low Countries, Netherlands, where they heard there was freedom of religion for all men, but the authorities would not cooperate with the separatists. As Bradford put it, they could not stay, yet they were not suffered to go. They didn't want them there in England. They were persecuting them, imprisoning them, and killing them. But when they—this is the Church of England, right? You know, it, established religion. You know, we know where it all heads, right? The the, the mainline religion, right? Uh, but uh, he said, but they said we couldn't stay in England. But then when we tried to escape, they wouldn't let us leave. It's crazy, right? It's kind of like what the, the you know communists did to the to the to the Christians. Remember the. The USSR wouldn't let the Christians leave, but they were persecuting them and killing them there. So what's happening, you know, they, they had the Iron Curtain, wouldn't let them out. The same thing happens in communist China. They won't let them leave, you know, but they, but they persecute them because they're there. Uh, connect the dots to the USA Today coming here. But anyway, all their preparations had to be kept in secret. Clandestine arrangements had to be made to hire a large ship uh, for 100 members of the Scrooby Church to escape. The captain, having taken their money, then informed the constables who arrested them, ransacked their cargo, and imprisoned the migrants. So they get up, finally found the ship's going to take them to, to the Netherlands, but the captain took their money and then threw them under the bus with the constables, with the authorities. Uh, let's see. Uh, one, one example, this was just one example that Bradford mentions of their betrayal and their attempts to leave There was he was now Bradford was now a 17 year old member of the Scrooby congregation brought up by uncles after the death of his parents and grandparents. He had shown in school, but he had to work on the family farm. Interesting. My great 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 grandpa family farm, right? Uh, He was converted by Clifton at the age of 12 at one of the separatist churches, but was the only member of his family to join the separatist church. Uh, leaving them behind to go to the Netherlands or trying to. Now get this. William Brewster, you know, you know the Mayflower story, you know William Brewster failed. To attend court on the 1st of December, there was a warrant for his arrest. But So the Scrooby pilgrims tried again. We all know about the pilgrims, but this is what they had to do to just get out of England in order to make the dangerous crossing, right? They tried again. The men traveled from Scrooby by land, but they sent the women and children by water with the luggage. The women arrived early, but they got stuck in the mud. They got stuck on a sandbar there. When the ship arrived, the captain sent a boat for the men and got them all on ship. But while he was waiting for the tide to free the women and the luggage, while they were waiting, they were still stuck in the in the mud. A large crowd showed up in pursuit of them with guns and. Hellbirds, some kind of pitchfork, I think. Uh, the captain, so they're chasing the, the people are trying to track them down and not let them escape. <laughs> they, they don't want them there. They're in prison. They're cut, killing them, burning them, all kinds of crazy stuff. But when they try to escape, this mob shows up, tries to stop them from leaving. Uh, the captain, uh, was, said, there's nothing I can do. He sailed away. The men left for the Netherlands without their family families without possessions or even a change of clothes imagine the torment of these poor guys on this boat having to leave their wives and children and everything stuck in the mud to this mob imagine what that was like Uh, then while the men are traveling to the netherlands a violent protracted storm took them way off course. For seven days they saw neither sun, moon, nor stars. What does that just sound like we just read? The book of Acts, right? They were driven near the coast of Norway. According to Bradford, the sailors shrieked. The sailors shrieked. We sink. That's what the sailors were all screaming. We sink. Well, the separatists, the pilgrims, when the water ran into their mouth and ears, they were getting flooded. Cried, "Yet, yet, Lord, Thou canst save. Yet, Lord, that You can still save us." So they were, that's what they were crying. And indeed, the ship survived the storm to arrive in Amsterdam. The women and children were arrested, but it wasn't practical to keep them all in prison, so eventually they were allowed to go join the men. On his arrival in Amsterdam, Bradford was arrested after a fellow passenger reported him to the authorities as a fugitive from the English justice. (laughs) Crazy, right? He explained the religious reasons for his flight, and the enlightened authorities released him. Is this crazy? Crazy, right? We know about the, the Mayflower, but this, the, the pilgrims, they, the, this was prepared. Why did they have to go through this? Just to get to, to the Netherlands. Why? Because it was preparing them for much bigger storms. They, the bigger struggles that were to come. God's purpose for these pilgrims, for these separatists. William Bradford, we, you know, we, if you've never read his book, it's amazing. His whole story, he wrote a, a, a biography there, what, what happened. The pilgrims and the bigger ocean they had to cross and the suffering they had to go, they had to go through. Half of the pilgrims died in the first winter they were there. All to come to a new world and religious freedom and the spiritual impact. Are you in a storm? Are you digging through snow? It's making you stronger. When we dig, when we have to go through those storms, we have to dig up the storm. It's making us stronger for swimming. Remember the Kratty kid, wax on, wax off. Whoa, that was what it was all about. That's what it's that's what it's doing in our in our in our lives. Do you have an anchor? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ and the power? Of the Holy Spirit. That is our anchor. Faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. But the sailors, like most of the world today, had no anchor. The sailors here in, in Acts, the sailors in the story with William Bradford here, they had no anchor. They're freaking out in fear by this because of the storm. Where have we seen that happen before? We couldn't imagine that happening today, could we? It's happening in the USA today, isn't it? With COVID, people are freaking out in fear. Uh, The the balloon goes over the United States. The Chinese balloon goes over. This blimp goes over. People are freaking out. It's crazy. Most people today don't have an anchor. Most people today are living shipwrecked lives. They're lost. They're empty. They're, They're... Painful. Those darn little bugs are everywhere here. Uh, they're painful. They're, self, they're in pain. They're self-medicating because their lives are a wreck. Listen, whenever we ignore God's word, whenever we ignore his word, whenever we ignore God and what he tells us how to live, I have a warning for you. You're going to crash. We're going to crash. And whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, we're going to crash. We're going to have pain. We're going to be empty. We're going to, we're going to just be in despair whenever we do that. Maybe you've ignored God's word, God's warning. Maybe your life is a wreck. Even as a Christian, uh, you're, you're, you've wrecked your life. Or, or definitely if you're not a Christian, I guarantee it's either wrecked or going to be wrecked. But God can still save us. God can still save you if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ. No matter what wreck your life has become, God can still save you if you will turn to Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his death on the cross to pay for your sin, his resurrection from the dead to give you a brand new life. If you will turn and put your faith in Jesus Christ, God can still save you. Just like these men were saved on the boat with Paul. They were saved because of Paul's faith. can still save you, and not only that, God can still salvage your life, no matter what mess you have made of your life, no matter what mess you 've made, whether you, even as a christian you 've messed up, we still mess up often unfortunately uh, we 're not you know perfect, just forgiven right but, but if, no matter what mess you 've made, you God can still salvage your life if you will repent and live by the power of the holy Spirit, God can still salvage your life. He can save us when we put our faith in Jesus. He can salvage our life if we live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of us could share many stories, couldn't we? I, but I think of Linnell. If Linnell was still here, Linnell's in heaven. God bless him. He's a happy guy now. I know it. He's talk. He's talking God's ear off now. He's chewing God's ear off, and, and God is loving it. And, uh, and uh, so Linnell, if he was here, he would be. I'd probably have sure his testimony. I met Lynell in the AIDS house here locally in the AIDS house. he got saved. He b- broke strongholds and lived free. He had lots of battles, but he lived free by god 's mercy and grace and touched so many lives god he said many times god he didn 't use his exact word, but God salvaged his life. God restored him and he still had lots of pain and struggles, but God still used look how the lives that that guy touched. Everywhere he went, he shared God's mercy and grace. Every doctor and nurse around here knew all about his story because he was—he shared God's mercy and grace, and and that God can salvage any life if we live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen—it's always better to listen to God the first time, isn't it? It's better to listen to God the first time when it, because you know and not go through the wrecking wreck, wreckage, right? Because whenever we ignore God's word. Whenever we ignore God's warning, there are consequences. There's gonna be consequences. We're, we're gonna to have to go through that. Uh, I know I've told this story before, but it just fits so perfectly. Uh, my, I had my first car was a Super Beetle Volkswagen, yellow Super Beetle Volkswagen, and, and I never forget uh, one time I was driving, and I just got in the car, and I already beat it up plenty with all my other mistakes. But the one time the oil light came on. Do did, didn't even have oil lights anymore. But it was a red, red oil light. For those who are old enough to remember, the red oil light that came on. Now, we were always told by our driver's ed teacher, the red oil light comes on. Stop the car. Shut it off immediately. Right. Immediately. Because that's a bad thing. So, but I'll never forget. I was up on top of the hill and I was uh, coming just starting to come down this hill and my red oil light came on. And I was like. <gasps> and I know I should have just stopped the car and shut off. I like I got to get home. The problem was I was seven miles from home. Everything was seven miles away where I grew up. You know, I was like, seven miles. I, I got to make it home seven miles so I can get some oil. So I, and I, and I'll never forget, <clears throat> I was coming down the hill toward the canal uh, in Lockport there, and Lockport, Lockport Canal, and I, and I, I hit the gas coming down that hill, and I go zooming down the hill, and there was a bridge over the canal, and I came zooming down in a rush, I was just focused on, I get up on the bridge, and it is a one lane bridge, and another car was already on the bridge. I was like, (laughs) wow. But it looks like, I think it was like a Datsun or something. It was was little. I'm like, I think I can get by. I had no choice. I had to get by. I was going too fast. The person, I'll never forget, I could see their eyes. I could still see them. Their eyes went boing, you know. And, And I just went... You know, I just kind of waved and we we squeezed by each other on a one-lane bridge. It was crazy. I get down. There was a stop sign. I zoomed through it. There's not many cars around there. You know, I could have hit a cow before I hit another car probably. But but I zoomed through the stop sign and I got about another hundred yards and the engine seized up. The car seized up and it it was I was done. I was like, oh no, oh no. You know what that means. So I stopped the car and I see there's one house. I was by a field and there's one house up a little ways and I'm like, ah. Oh, Maybe I could use their phone or something, and I went up and knocked on the door, and there's a nice older gentleman, and he's like, what happened? I go, oh, my my oil light came on, and I, the car stopped. He's like, oh, no, that's bad. I go, know." He goes, but let's try something. I have, I, gotta, I have some oil here. Let's put it in, and we'll put it in and try to start the car. If it starts, you're good to go, but if it doesn't, you're done. We're going to have to have it towed somewhere. So he, he got out the oil, and he put it in the engine there, and I got ready again get in the car and I turned it on. It started. I got away with it. It was great. I got away with it. Oh, thank you, God. I got away with it. So uh, so I, I I, drove home and uh, I drove home and got away with it. But except like like a couple of days later, all of a sudden I'm driving and I was about a quarter mile from the house. And all of a sudden I heard this whoosh. I looked behind me, there was a bunch of oil all over the road, just a big whoosh. You know, I'm like, oh no, I didn't get away with it. I damaged the engine, and it was oil everywhere, and I was like, oh, and I, shot off the car right away, <laughs> I learned my lesson, and, uh, and I went, and I had to get the car back to the farm, which was about a quarter mile away, so I got my two friends, Lenny and Eric, uh, and, and Eric, we had his car, we got a chain, and we hooked it to his car, and then I put the other one to my, the bumper of my Volkswagen, and, and so I had Lenny get in my car, so Lenny, Eric's gonna tow, and Lenny's gonna uh, drive my car. I said, when we get into the driveway back at the farm, I just, I want, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna hop out while we're coasting. I'll say, one, two, three, stop. And when I stopped, ease on the brakes. Both of you, ease on the brakes. We've done this many times with tractors and everything. And I said, ease on the brakes, and we'll be okay. So we get in, and I, I'm riding next to Lenny, and we get into the driveway, and we're coasting in, and I hop out. I'm running the next to. I go, one, two, three, stop. And Eric eased on his, his his brake, and Lenny stomped on my brake! And when he stomped on it, my bumper went boom, like an arrowhead. You know, shot ahead, I was like, no! And, and now I got, you know, and it's a big mess, oh my goodness. So I, I got this car to this guy, Bud, who, uh, fixed it, he fixed the engine, it was able to restore it, he says, now keep oil in the car. Uh, but, but he got it fixed, goes, I go, I go, what can I do about my bumper? He goes, well, it's not worth taking it to a, you know, a, a shop and get it fixed. You know, you shouldn't put any more money into this car, you know, because I had beaten it up pretty bad. He says, so they'd already been in an accident. The bumper, the, the hood was already bashed in and all, you know, stuff. He'd knocked it out with a hammer. So anyway, it, it was a mess. And and so he goes, I would just, you know what you could do with these bumpers? They're pretty flimsy on these VWs. Just, just find a, a tree, a big tree, and bump it into it nice and easy. Just bump it into it, and I think you'll be able to get it back semblance of a bumper so i said okay so i went out to the our house had a box holder tree you know box holder our softer wood and 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 i drove up i remember driving up to it boom nothing happened now there's no airbags in the vw so i didn't have to worry about that but i went up a little faster boom nothing so i really sped it up and zoom bam hit that tree and i got out yeah it looked pretty good it was like this and now no longer an arrow it was an inverted arrow i was like it looked like an accordion you know it was a mess it was just a. They, it was a mess. This car was a wreck, all because I had ignored the oil light, the red warning light. I had ignored that. And that's what happens so many times in our life. You may be watching, listening to this, and your life is a wreck because you drove through God's warning light. And and we've ignored God's word and God's warning. But there is still hope. I have warned so many people. And I've seen many, many crashes in 35 years of ministry. And, but I've also, in my own life too, but I've also seen many miraculous recoveries. I've seen many miraculous recoveries because it's never too late for God's mercy and grace. You may be sitting in a wreck of a life right now. It is never too late for God's mercy and grace. We can listen now, just like with Paul, right? It's never too late. Just like these guys finally listen, it's never too late to be saved. You never you may have never put your faith in Jesus, surrendered your life to God. You can do it now. It's never too late. Just like those sailors were saved, even though they had ignored everything and almost sank, they were still saved because of Paul's faith. You can still be saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. The thief on the cross was down to his last Breath when he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Down to his last, until you take your last breath, your last heartbeat, you can still say, Jesus, save me. I put my faith in you. It's never too late. I hope you don't wait till that part, but it's never, no matter where you are, it's never too late. Yes, there are consequences. Yes, there's going to be storms and and shipwrecks, and and there are consequences to what we've done with not listening to God, because God's discipline is there, but you, you can be saved. You can be saved. And know you're going to be with God forever in heaven someday. And not only that, you, you, God will, through his mercy and grace, bring something great out of the mess we've made. As Christians, if we've messed up, God can restore us. We can. There's consequences, right? We're gonna, there's God's discipline, but we can live a life of grace. We can live a life of grace By depending on God's mercy and grace. Hebrews 4.16, I hope we have this memorized. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. No matter what your life is like, we can always crawl back to the throne on our knees and ask God for his mercy and grace, his forgiveness and help his mercy and grace. We can always have that. And, and my Volkswagen was a mess. It was a mess. They, I remember in the winter, there was no heat. I'd smashed up everything so bad. There was no heat. Yeah, I'd be driving around Buffalo. It was the, the, it, it, there would be ice this thick on the floor of my car. I had no heat. Very, very, very little heat because of all the problems I created, right? It was freezing. I froze. But you know what? That I still enjoyed that car. You know why? Because it could do donuts. As big a mess as it was, it could do donuts. There's no engine in the front of the VW. right? So those who ever had one know what I'm talking about. So when you do a donut on a normal car, it's no big deal. But where this car, it was a wreck. But it was fun. I was the life of the party when it was winter. I remember going to the school parking lot at night when everybody was gone. And, and, and just zooming across that parking lot. Because the, the snow, there would be ice about this deep everywhere. It was just ice thick snow and and you never cleared it off until the spring you could keep just keep scraping on top of that i'd go to the school parking lot and i never forget going there and just doing donuts through the parking lot and it just keeps spinning and spinning you know what time usually you get with a normal car one turn the volkswagen three four five times just keeps swooping swing it was so much fun and the custodians would always come out and like who is that kid what, what who's driving that wreck out there yeah they never called the police That was no big deal where we grew up everybody did donuts so Anyway, uh, but but I had I had joy. I enjoyed it, and no matter what wreck our life is like, if we turn it over to Jesus Christ, we could still have joy. Does not make any sense? People look at us and our life is a wreck, shipwreck. But but we can still have joy through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Let's pray. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian yet, I hope the thing that you heard today is anyone can put their faith in Jesus. At any time you can come to God no matter what you've done. No matter you may be in prison for the most horrible crime imaginable. You might be you know on your last breath in a hospital because of a mess. You may have destroyed your family and 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 in a horrible way it, it it's not but you know this is the thing I'm telling you anyone anyone can come to the cross of Jesus Christ anyone can come to the cross of Jesus Christ for God's mercy and grace for forgiveness to be washed clean, to live a brand new life. God can salvage any life. Save anyone. Salvage any life if we will put our faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus took our sin. He took the punishment. He took the consequences on Himself, on the cross. And all we have to do is walk, turn away, repent of that old life, leave it at the cross, and put our faith in Jesus Christ, and He will take it on Himself. And in exchange for that mess, He will give us His righteousness. He will give us a brand new life in Him. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. you can believe in Jesus this very moment you can put the word "believe" means to put your faith in in the Greek complete faith and trust and you can do this this very moment this very second be happening in your heart right now and I always encourage people to pray a prayer of faith to put an exclamation point on that we're saved by putting our faith in Christ but that prayer of faith just just puts an exclamation point on it and makes sure of that the simple but powerful prayer of faith you can pray it right now Jesus I'm a mess I've destroyed my life with sin. I'm covered with shame. You are my only hope. Forgive me. Forgive me. I'm crawling away from that old life on my knees. I'm crawling to the cross on my knees. Forgive me. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Your death on the cross for me. Your resurrection from the dead for me. I put my faith in you. I give my life to you. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, or if you do pray that prayer of faith, you have just been the Bible said saved, salvation, saved, saved from your old life and all the garbage and the sin. It's, it's all under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's been washed away. You have been saved from an eternity in hell. You are now gonna to go to heaven. And be with Jesus where it's all forgotten and gone. And you're going to live a whole new amazing life. No matter what wreck your life is now, there's going to be joy somehow. Supernaturally, somehow God's going to work your mess together for His message. He's going to work it all together for good somehow. He's going to bring you joy. And bring... up others' joy through your life. I want to encourage you to tell someone, if you've prayed that prayer of faith, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, tell somebody ASAP. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's been praying for you, talking to you. Maybe somebody at work, someone at school. Whoever it is, tell them. And if you don't have anybody to tell, then tell me. I tell everybody, send me an email, at nhcc at comcast.net. Send it to me. Call me, get a hold of me, because we'll be excited for you and encourage you and help you to grow in your new faith. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? You're already saved, but, but the Holy Spirit speaking. Maybe you're in a storm. In a storm, and your whole focus has been how to get out of the storm. Where God has been trying to talk to you and tell us, keep shoveling, keep swimming, keep growing. Do you have an anchor in your storm? Have you depended on other things besides God or, or, or has it sharpened your focus that your anchor is your faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that every one of us would have that anchor, our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we would grow. And Lord, I pray for every person hearing this, that no matter what mess we've made, and I, I know I've made massive messes, Whatever mess that we've made, I pray, Lord, that you would save us and salvage this life and and bring bring glory to your name in and through us when they see how you've worked a miracle in our life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.